stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. Now, this week, um, you know, I think probably a lot of you will have heard, and if you listen to my 100th episode, which was a few back, um, I talked about doing a lot of emotional work on myself and, and going back and having a look at my emotional timeline and, I don't know, you know, trying to get out some of the bastard things that I've been carrying around for a long time and... You know, I don't know, trying to find my potential and and trying to release some blockages. And anyway, I came across um, Daniel Tolson and he is bloody amazing. And I'm going to talk to him today and we're going to talk a little bit about that timeline and all that stuff and get his scientific approach of it, you know, rather than the way I speak about it. But he also does a whole stack of stuff in business and he's just he's just amazing. So like and his goal is just to help you accelerate and multiply your results. So I just love him. I'll tell you a bit about him. Daniel has served as a consultant to more than 15,000 companies and individuals throughout Australia and around the world. As a business influencer, he impacts millions of people each year. And he's considered the world's number one business coach, specializing in emotional intelligence with over six and a half thousand case studies into emotional intelligence in the past three years alone. As well as all that, he has written and produced more than 250 audio and video learning programs. He speaks on the subjects of emotional and social intelligence. And prior to founding his company, the Tolson Institute, Daniel was a leader of 17,000 cabin crew for Emirates Airlines. He was also, and, you know, like all of this is business stuff, but there's also this amazing other side to him. He was also Australian champion wakeboarder and an extreme games competitor. And you wait till you hear his story about some of his physical ailments and how the hell he did that. I'll be buggered, but he's just, he's a hell of a good guy. And um, let's, let's chat with him. Welcome, Daniel. G'day. Nice to be oh, here. G- <laughs> <laughs> Thought you are doing the whole Aussie g'day. <laughs> I think it grows on you once you've been living out of the country for a while. Uh, I hear a lot of people, they go to London for six months and they come back with an accent. They go to America for six months and come back with an accent. And then I live out of the country for 15 years and it gets thicker. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. So you're an Aussie boy, of course, and you're living in Taiwan. Well, they call me Dun Dun here, which is egg. So I'm uh, white on the outside and yellow on the inside. And I'm allowed to say that. (laughs) because that's what they call me. <laughs> so, yes, Aussie living in Taiwan. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, it's probably, I don't know how hot it is over there, but bloody hell, it's hot here today. But anyway, 
So I wanted to get you on because, as I mentioned in the intro, you know, uh, you and I did a, a, an emotional timeline for me, and it was quite fascinating. And it's actually uh, been fantastic for me because it's it's given me a few uh, much needed bullets up my bum. I tell you what, you know, and and really good opportunity to really challenge some of the staff. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that because. I'll, but first, I just want to ask you about. Your life, because like you're doing, you know, you live in the big game. You're doing absolutely amazing things all around the world, helping others to, um, you know, uh, unleash their potential, really, and and to do amazing stuff. So, tell us where it started. Like, were you born a, a mini entrepreneur, or into an entrepreneurial <laughs> family? <laughs> born a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember at age eleven, I was diagnosed with linear sequential learning disability. And uh, for years, the teachers had been saying to my uh, parents in my school reports, Daniel doesn't try hard enough. If you just paid a little bit more attention, you'd be a good student. <laughs> and I thought to myself, they couldn't be further away from the truth because I'm giving you all the attention I've got, but there's really something holding me back. And it worked out to be that I had this linear sequential learning disability. So what came with that was a twisted spine, hips that were out of alignment, knees that were out of alignment, a neck that was out of alignment. And then the cranial plates were pushing down the left and right hemisphere of the brain. And so I had visual impairments and I was tone deaf. And there I am oh trying to play the guitar. And they're saying, Daniel ah. keeps making mistakes. He keeps repeating mistakes. I'm going, every bloody chord and note sounds the same to me. <laughs> and then they realize I'm tone deaf. So wow. it wasn't a good start. No. Oh my God. So what, what was it that made you, um, how did you, like, how'd you get out of that? How did you, cause clearly you don't look to me like you've got a curved spine, a, a curved spine and buckled knees and you, you don't, I don't know, you see, and I know that's not a good thing to say because there's a lot of people with disabilities who look, who look perfectly normal and, you know, I'm not, and what is normal anyway, it's like the setting on a washing machine, you mm -hmm. know, but you, you, you're operating at a very high level, so you couldn't be doing that with massive amounts of pain and um, crushing of your brain. So how did you get out of that? Well, the hips, the hips took me 41 years to fix. So uh, this year, I'm 42 this year, I started working with a uh, new personal trainer here in Taiwan last year, and it's taken me 41 years to get my hips right. So what would normally happen is I'd walk and they'd click, 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 and the ligaments oh. would flick backwards and forwards. So people can't see it, people can't hear it. If you put your hands on my hips when I'm walking, you'd feel it go click, click, click. So I think a lot of these things, growing up with learning disabilities, it's just my normal. So for me, I can't compare my life to anybody else's. I could, appear, I could compare it to other kids at school when they're getting great results. But at the same time, I thought to myself, hey, they might be academically smart, but I'm street smart and they just can't measure my street smart here at school. So I think mm. it's the old analogy when you ask the, um, <clears throat> the fish to climb the tree. <laughs> Who's the idiot? Yeah. yeah. The, the fish yeah. who's trying to climb the tree or the idiot who asked the fish to actually climb it in the first place. Yeah. So I think for yeah. me, I was just climbing the wrong tree. And once I found the right tree, uh, everything was normal for me. So I've just uh, wrapped up a day here teaching people how to use NLP and hypnotic, lang and hypnotic language patterns. And it's interesting just how my mind works and I can use hypnosis very simply. Where for other people who are more lineal in nature, it's very hard to go lateral. So once yes. you put me in the right environment, you can see me go at a hundred mile an hour. Yeah, that's so true for so many people, isn't it? And see, um, 
that, that I've, I've probably said it in about 80% of my podcasts that the school system is, you know, while there are great teachers and while there are great things about it, it does not bloody work for everybody. And so many people get kind of get piffed out the other end, you know, and never to make anything of themselves and but also to have these beliefs about themselves that are, are just completely wrong, but they've been told this for so many years and, it's such a shame. I'm so glad you come out the other end and said, screw the system. I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> well, I didn't even make it out the other end. <laughs> they booted me out before I got there. <laughs> I, I actually tried to go to university, tried when I was 27, and I did the first semester, and then the lecturer said, I think it's best that you go back to school and finish <laughs> off years 10, 11, and 12. And I'm 27, almost 28. I'm like, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> I ain't going back there. So I said, well, if I left there, I'm going to leave this one too. So I think what we've got to learn is that we've got to play to our strengths. And one of the big things for me is it's not that I'm learning disabled. It was a lot of the times that the people just didn't know how to teach me. And yeah, so in the yeah. school system, they've got a curriculum. They're great teachers, but they've got to move 29 kids through that syllabus. And the one person like me, they're just like, what the hell do we do with this person? It's not that we mm. don't really care about him. We just don't have the time. We don't have the resources. We don't have the training. And if we put all of our attention over onto this one, then everybody's got to suffer. So somebody must uh, be left behind. However, it doesn't mean they're going to be left behind forever. And then you've got to get creative. You've got to... Uh, learn to become resilient. You've got to learn to fight and you've got to learn to learn how to learn differently, which I think is most important. We can all learn. It's impossible not to learn. I remember we owned a family pawnbroking business and my dad bought this machine and he said, hey, this is trash. Get rid of it. He said, but make sure you cut the cord before you get rid of it. So I went and got the big uh, metal shears and I cut through the electricity cord and then I went boom and I flew back about oh. two meters across the room. He said, what are you doing? I said, you told me to cut the cord. And he said, I know, but you didn't pull the uh, the plug out of the power pine, I say, no, I know, you didn't teach me. <laughs> but I only oh, did it shit. once. Yeah, I only yeah. did it once and I learned my lesson. So it's impossible not to learn and all learning is one-time learning. But you just got to figure out how to learn in the right way. Don't make the mistakes. Well, you're actually lucky you're still here to continue learning because <laughs> that could have been not a burning hair. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't smell burning flesh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, so when you know, like now you're doing. So you found your feet, you know, and then you started. I know you've started a heap of businesses, and where you are now is a long way from where you started. So, and and I know you've you've had a few businesses. What challenges have you had? Like, did you have any fail, or or was it all just smooth sailing for you? Once I don't have a disability, I know how to learn, and phew, I'm off. Or was it smooth, a bit more? smooth sailing? What's that? What's that? <laughs> I think I learned that um, life is hard and yeah. I accepted that life is hard at an early age and I was under no illusion that life and business was hard. So just before I was conceived on the backseat of a bus, oh, my, parents, <laughs> my parents had a farm and that was back in the early 70s and they started their family they had big hopes but the world changed the industry changed and they had to walk off the land like all the other farmers and yeah. so they don't uh, pack it in they don't give up they say well we've just got to find another way to achieve our goals so they came back to sydney um, they drove buses mum and dad were both bus drivers and my dad became a concreter and my mum started a haberdashery store and they just did something different 
So mm-hmm. for, from a young age, I always saw people wheeling and dealing, starting businesses, uh, investing in property, buying and selling secondhand goods, wheeling, dealing, trading. And I realized that you didn't always win. And my father gave me some great advice once. He said, you know, son, as a farmer, if you just have one good year in seven, everything will be okay. But if you have two good years in seven, you'll be set for life. So I've always had that thought, well, one in seven, if I have six years of bad luck and I have one good year, I think everything's going to be fine. And it's always worked out that way for me. So if I think about it, um, I was working with my family. I turned around their business. Uh, I had a business with my brother that flopped over. And um, at the same time, and that flopped over, I stopped working for the family business because I said, I ain't going to work with that bugger anymore. So <laughs> I went to <laughs> the Middle East and I took a job and it didn't turn out to be what I wanted. Uh, three months later, I'm back in Australia. I'm back in Australia uh, as a builder's labourer, as a concreter's labourer, and then a lollipop man controlling traffic. <gasps> And so I've gone from Australian champion business owner all the way down to the bottom of the barrel. But I thought to myself, you know, what do I want? And so I said to myself at that stage, I want to become cabin crew. And I said, I'm going to go back to Dubai. I'm going to reinvent myself and I'm going to learn something that's of value. So I went back to the Middle East. Everything's going good. Met a girl of my dreams, got engaged, and then she decided to be involved in an aircraft accident. And so in 2010, my phone call, my phone rings and says, Daniel, there's been an accident. Can you come down to the airport? It's your fiance. Oh, oh no. So at that stage, uh, she was in remedial, sorry, she was in and out of surgery for the following two and a half years. She got to the end of it. uh, She lost a job. We almost lost our daughter three times due to miscarriage. I was co-leading a team of 17,000 cabin crew. And I had to make the choice. Um, my wife's left. She can't stay in the country. There's a good chance that I won't get a day off to see my daughter. So I resign co-leading a team of 17,000 cabin crew. I start my business and I pour all of my money into the business. And by the middle of 2013, I'm down at the hospital because i got breathing problems. <gasps> can't breathe. Doctor says, uh, Daniel, it's all in your mind. <laughs> You don't need to be at the hospital. You need to go to the psychologist. <laughs> so I went to the psychologist and she said, you're depressed. You've probably been depressed for years, but you didn't even realize it after what you'd been through. So we get to the end of 2013. I've used all of my money. And I said to my wife, I said, well, congratulations. You've married a real winner. Uh, your husband can't build a business at the moment. So we went back to Australia and we got on Centrelink. We got social security. And I knew that if I could just get social security just for a few months, I could get back up on my feet. And so I built my business in the first 100 days. I made my first $100,000 and my business started to grow. I started to bring team members on, started to buy equipment. And then middle of 2014, something happened in the world and it all collapsed. (laughs) So I sold everything. My car, my push bike, my television, my furniture. We got enough money to get on an aircraft and get back to Taiwan. And we moved in uh, with my wife's grandmother. (laughs) So now we're living on the third floor and I'm teaching English. Now I dropped out of school. English was my worst subject, but I'm now teaching English. And it gave me enough money just to moonlight and then focus on my business. And then uh, things went good, things went bad. And then 2019, COVID started to come in. So 2019 was the last time I was in the country and Uh, because of COVID, I had to shut down my company structure because you can't live outside of the country for more than six months. So I had to close the company structure. I also owned a franchise and I had to exit my franchise business. So problems, challenges, crises, (laughs) I've been through them all and I'm still here. And um, it's just been this lovely growth. And I believe that with every 
contraction, there's also an expansion. And I'm yeah. very resilient. I don't quit. And I stick around long enough so once that contraction disappears, I grow. So one of my signature programs last year, 2,222 people through it in the worst economic wow. climate we've ever seen. And it was the peak of my career. So, yeah, yeah Problem is my middle name. <laughs> but it's, it's, you talk about a couple of things there. Resilience, that's one thing, you know, and it's, it's a lot of people give up. A lot of people just say, well, I'm not doing this anymore. But I think, and probably they don't know what their, I'll just call it the why. You might call it something else, but they don't know what their why is. They don't know what the motivator is or what that driver is that sits there. Do you, you know, if they really know that, they'd probably get back on the horse. You know, if they really knew what they were chasing. But, you know, also that, a lot of people think that one, if, you, if you're doing really great things, you were born with a silver spoon, or, you know, or you're an overnight success. And both of those things are well, you can be born with a, a silver spoon, but geez, it doesn't make you the smartest person in the world. It just, you're just bloody <laughs> taking over dad's bank account, really. But I, I just love that. You and you were um, Australian wakeboard champion too, many years back, probably when you were 20 or something like that. And it, did you, like, uh, bust yourself up? Because I would have. Yeah. yeah, I remember breaking my nose. <laughs> the board yeah. hit me in the nose and the bone <gasps> came out of the nose here. That was one. Uh, dislocated fingers. Uh, I in When I was 18, I tore my, uh, was it the, uh, the posterior cruciate ligament, the PCL, tore that off the bone. So that put me in rehabilitation for a year. And then the following year, I tore the cartilage again. So that put me in rehabilitation for a year. <laughs> then I had Epstein-Barr virus, chronic fatigue, teenage chickenpox. Uh, I got beat up by a bunch of six guys. They took a cricket set and beat the living shit out of me. I was just uh, in the wrong place at the wrong time, mistaken identity. So I've got um, a pl two plates and four pins in my arm, but they couldn't kill me, so I kept going. Um, <laughs> yeah, a, a bunch, of, bunch of crazy stuff. Um, but I, I think it's fun. I like a little bit of drama. It gives me a bit of fuel. <laughs> it's fuel in the tank. <laughs> a lot of people would have given up, you know, like even being beaten, you're beaten up, you know, that like that's that's enough for a lot of people to go and hide and say, oh, you know, I don't want to, uh, I'm they depressed. Do a, they now. didn't do a very good job of it. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon they did do a good job of it. You got plates in your arm. <laughs> but it, it's just, you know, I think this is the, the, I don't know, you, you're just such a good, you're the epitome of resilience, you're the epitome of just getting back up and getting things done, you know, and, and eventually, like you're doing so well at the moment, but we don't know what's going to be around the corner, but it's whether you can go, well, you know what, it, it crashed and, and and now I'm going to get back up again. I don't think it will crash because I I think that, you know, you've, you've had all these challenges and, and you've worked your way through them you know, on a lot of levels with NLP and hypnotherapy and emotional stuff. And, and I think you're in, this is only what I know of you. And I mean, we've had, a, we've had a few good chats, but I reckon you're in a fantastic place. And here I am sounding like I'm the, the freaking, you know, like the fortune teller. I'm sitting there with my little glass. <laughs> what do you call that ball, crystal ball? Yeah, the Daniel, crystal ball. your future is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, better, I love it. Better to have a crystal ball than a bald head. For me, anyway. Yeah. For me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends who you are. So I don't know. I don't want a bald head. But... Can, can I go back one step? You mentioned a why before. You know, this is, yeah. this is really important. I think a lot of people are really stuck here. 
I remember getting on a Zoom call, uh, probably 2018, and I met some people and they wanted to partner with me. And one of the people said to me, it was so textbook, it was like she just finished reading Simon Sinek's book. And she said to me, Daniel, she said, what's your why? (laughs) And I said, what's my why? I said, what do you mean? She goes, why do you do what you do? And my response was, I'm just really fucking good at it. (laughs) And she said to me, that's not satisfactory. That's not a good enough why. And we can't partner together because you don't have a good enough why. (laughs) And, And I think a lot of people are confused about this why. See, there's three levels of motivation. The first one is biological motivation. So when somebody says to you, I'm motivated, believe them. Believe them 100%. Everybody's motivated. But some people, it's just at a very low level. The lowest level is food, shelter, water. And if somebody wakes up every day just to get the basics, they're motivated. Don't doubt them. The second one is the extrinsic motivation, and that's the reward or punish motivation. It's the if-then motivation. If I make a 100 sales, I'm going to make a $100,000. And that's where the motivation comes from where other people move up to the next level and it's intrinsic motivation. And it's when you do what you do the best. So for example, I know I'm a great coach. So every day that I do it, I know this just aligns with me. Uh, for the past decade, I stay, get up early, I go to bed late, I do podcasts. I remember the other day, I finished one podcast at two o'clock in the morning, I woke up at five o'clock in the morning and I went again. Now, <laughs> when you're good at something, that's enough. That's your why. If you're good at it and it aligns with your strengths and you don't have to worry about your limitations, that's good enough. And I think there's a lot of confusion about that. If it makes a ton of money and money is important to you and it makes you happy, do it. If it gives you a lot of time off and time to spend with your kids and that's your why, do it. But you don't have to have this crazy, magnificent why at the beginning. It helps later on down the track. But if you're good at it, just do it. So for me, I like this role that I play. It makes me feel good. I don't want to take a day off. I don't worry about looking at the clock. Mm. It's just aligned with my strengths. And that's key in emotional intelligence. So for these people who keep reading Simon Sinek and they say, you don't have a good enough why. And I'm not partnering with you. (laughs) (laughs) I can't partner with you. (laughs) Uh, But I like, you know, I like that you're saying that. I like that. There's one thing I want to ask of you, you know, your opinion, because for me, I feel like it's 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 not just enough. This is my my thoughts. It's not just enough just to be good at it. Like for me, I have to love it as well. Do you, you know, because I used to work for Australia Post and I was a manager of a big delivery center and, and I quit. You know, I, I I well, I got a package, but that was a bit of motivation. But it was um somebody said to me, Why are you leaving? You're so good at this. You're just so good at this. And I remember saying, but I don't love it. Yeah, and I'm not going to do something that I'm good at if I don't love it. And to me, that's such a strong point for me. Do you, you know, so some people might be able to do it if just because they're good at it. But for me, I will never, I just I don't ever want to do anything just because I'm good at it. I, I want to, oh, God, you know, I want to feel the goodies at the same time. <laughs> well, for me, the difference for me is that if I'm looking at the clock and counting the dollars, that's a bad sign for me. So we used to own a family pawnbroking business and my parents wanted wanted to leave the business to me and my brother. And I'm like, hell no, <laughs> I ain't doing this. I've seen what it's done to you and dad. I don't want to be a part of that. And it was interesting that I would look at my watch in the morning. I'd say to myself, shit, what's the latest I can get out of bed this morning? So I can gas it to work and get that uh, shutter up at nine o'clock, yeah. <laughs> not a minute later. Yeah. And I'd even time it. Okay, 8.40 on a Wednesday, no traffic. Take me 20 minutes to get into the uh, into the shop. 
done. But at 4.59 and 59 seconds, the shutter's already coming down. And I don't want to be there. I don't want to go in on the weekends. But also if you're counting the dollars consistently. So what I learned from my dad was when my mum met him, she said, your dad was just doing what he loved, which was farming. And so he didn't worry about the money. So when I met him, I opened up his drawer and there was a whole drawer of uncashed checks because he was just enjoying what he did. And the money was just a bonus. When I got into real estate, one of my uncles, my mum's brother, his name's John. He said, Danny boy, he said, if you do a good job, the money will follow. And if you get really good at doing what you do, then you'll never have to worry about the money. So what I believe is you can't just be good at what you do. You've got to be great. You've got to be in the top 10% in your field. And once you're in the top 10%, then you can make a ton of money, but you don't even have to think about it because mm -hmm. people will pay you for your contributions. Yep. So not long ago, my wife said to me, she said, husband, you need to buy some new underpants. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, oh, what type? She said, well, yours have got holes in them. And I said, like my jeans? She goes, no, worse. She goes, why don't you buy some new underwear? And I said, because I probably don't have any money. She said, what do you mean? And I said, I probably don't have any money. I just work and I just assume that I'm broke because I don't look at the bank account. And she showed me the bank account and I went, oh, yes, I can definitely afford some new underwear. <laughs> but see, the money is just secondary when you're doing what you love. Yeah. Focus on becoming the best you can possibly be. Yeah. And then the money will always follow. You'll never have a problem with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like that. I love Maybe it. Maybe just your underwear. And, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but oh, we're all the same. I reckon everyone, everybody I know just keeps putting on the same old comfies. Yesterday I went to, I had to go and have, um, I, had, I did a workshop. That's right. And, and I didn't even think. And I just put the old undies on with a big tear up the side. And, I, and luckily, I went to the toilet before I left. And I was like, oh my God, I've got my old bloody undies. I'm going to change it. No, I don't know why I thought I should change them. I'm not really going to, you know, drop my dax in the bloody workshop. But yeah, uh, I think we, we all do that. We've all got these comfy ones that we just don't want to part with but anyway that I love that and you you know speaking of you being the greatest I'm going to read this because I don't want to get it wrong you are the world's oh god where is it number one you see now I can't find it what are you the world's number one emotional intelligence I read it in the intro and I can't bloody remember it the world's number one intelligence uh tell me Daniel because I can't find it bloody hell <laughs> I've got more than six and a half thousand case studies into the science of emotional intelligence. And I have trained doctors, lawyers, people out of the university, and they say, we've never heard anything like this before. I get doctors lining up to work with me and say, Daniel, you're the best at what you do. We've never learned like this before. So what I've been able to achieve is I've been able to train huge groups of people on the science of emotional intelligence. Uh, I've personally hypnotized groups of people of 1,300 people at a time. Wow. I've helped more than... 500 people at a time understand their levels of emotional intelligence using science. So at scale, um, maybe there's only a couple of other people who are just a couple of steps ahead of me, you know, people like Tony Robbins, you know, they're doing it at scales, but Tony's 40 years down the track. Yeah. So I'm working at scale with the with this science and we've had this experience together that enables people to rapidly understand who they are. The use of this science as well is I consult with businesses with more than a billion dollars worth of revenues. And just within a couple of minutes, I can save them millions of dollars in their business by avoiding bad hires. Mm. And they say, we've never seen this before. 
And nobody has ever, and this is a real message for the people who are worried about edu education, formal education. I'm, I'm very well educated. I've got to admit that. I've done a lot of education. I've studied under doctors. I've gone to the best people in the world and learned from them directly. Mm. But when I was growing up, people focused so much on formal education. But now people look at the result and they go, we want the result. They don't even care about the certificate. And that's really nice to be able to have a seat at the table with these people who've got a billion dollar business and say, we appreciate your knowledge because we can't get it anywhere else. Yeah. So this knowledge is taking me all around the world, um, working with doctors in America the week before last, working with businesses in India, working with businesses in America, working with businesses in Australia, thousands of people in my programs in Malaysia, here in Taiwan, working with people in the military. It's phenomenal and they love it. And so do you. <laughs> so do I you. Know. I'm happy as a pig in mud. Yeah. I'm, like a, I'm like my daughter when she gets a Barbie doll or my boy when he gets his bike. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. I just I just love that. You know, when, you, when you're talking about before, uh, relevant to what you've just said, you know, that you're so happy doing what you do and you're doing it well and you're just, you, you, you're just getting this constant buzz about it and you don't even... The money's, you do it anyway. You would do it even if you didn't get paid. But we deserve to be paid. And see, this is this is something that I've had a problem with for a long time is, is that um, working out my value, you know, and that sort of stuff. And working with you has helped as well. And we were just talking before about some of the work that's just started rolling in for me that, you know, is just, it's been effortless and it's... um. Incredible. But speaking of that, speaking of not the money that's been effortless or the stuff, it's it hasn't been effortless. Like, you know, you're still going to bloody try. You, you can't just lie in bed and think that bloody magic wand's going to drop in your lap. But you and I do. Well, I, well you're lucky because I bought my magic wand. <laughs> Is that your in case Harry we need to cast some spells. <laughs> Is that your Harry Potter stick? love that i actually I, I you showed me that once before i actually looked for one i looked for one in the in the um i oh, in one of those crappy shops the other day because <laughs> i was doing a get off the bench workshop and people i always say to people there's no bloody magic wand you're gonna get off your ass and do it and i thought oh i'm gonna get one of daniel's ones and i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't find one so i didn't get to do that trick but yeah i would have loved it but you and I did um, this this timeline. Oh, well, I don't know. I actually don't know what it's called, but it's a, it's a mind report and it's a, it's an emotional mind timeline. Report. Is that what it's called? Like, see, look how hopeless I am. I'm trying to be all formal for you, Daniel, and say all the right things, and I can't bloody remember them. <laughs> <laughs> so what you got there is uh, it's called a mind report. Yeah. And on. what we did is we used artificial intelligence to measure your levels of emotional intelligence. So what Karen did, she got my application on her phone. She recorded her voice on her phone for 90 seconds and sent it to my team. And what we learned was that during that 90 second recording, there was 1,441 emotional triggers. And these emotional triggers show us and showed Karen our emotional life journey. So as we had a look at Karen's emotional life journey, we could see where all the negative emotions are still active in the amygdala from the time, the final trimester of the womb, all the way up to her current age, which we won't reveal. 
And so we're having a look <laughs> at this emotional life journey. And we can see where these traumas have been. We can see where these significant emotional events have been. And then what we did, we unpacked it so you could learn about your inner potential, but also your three. So you're special. You don't have one. You don't have two. You've got three personality types. And we had a look at your Enneagram. So that's what we did together. Yeah. You're making me sound like I've got three personalities. I should be, you know, getting help for that. But (laughs) (laughs) And it was fantastic because I didn't realise there was 1,141 emotional triggers. That is, is that a lot? Like, am I a little bit emotionally nutty? (laughs) Well, I think all of us are nuts. It's like if if we're going to come to this planet... If we come to this planet, we're crazy already. But I think we've all signed up to learn something new by coming here. Yeah. So what, what what's interesting, there's no good or bad triggers. It just shows us our emotional life journey. Yep. Because most of us wake up, um, you know, we say that we go through a period of darkness between about age 35 to 50. And we've had all these external things. And now we try to figure out, who am I? I started to go through that journey at age 21. I already had two investment properties. I'd been very successful in real estate. I was in the top 10 sales creators in the country, but I didn't feel fulfilled internally. Like I had this external success. I had the badge, the name, I had the business card, I had the two properties. And I was like, that doesn't turn me on. I want to know who I am. So as you do, you go traveling to try and figure out who you are. Yep. (laughs) And so what we did was we just sped up the process. See, psychologists tell us it takes 50 years to get over the first five years of our life. But once you just have this level of awareness, you go, oh, now that makes sense. All of those life events have contributed to the person that I am today. And it's once you get that level of self-awareness that you can start to unlock that potential. Mm. You know, it's been said by Brian Tracy that 84% of the adult population have a feeling of unfulfilled potential. They go to work and they look around and go, I should be the manager here. I shouldn't be taking instructions. I should be giving instructions. Other people say, I've been serving this company for 25 years. I should be owning the company by now. And so they have this awakening. It just helps them get there faster. And once you understand where you're coming from, then you can truly understand where you're going. And once you start to understand where you're going, then your body starts to optimize its performance. You start to release dopamine, adrenaline, serotonin, oxytocin, all these feel-good chemicals in your body. And then really, you start to accelerate your takeoff. But it comes through that self-awareness piece. Mm. I agree with that. Like, well, I have to agree because you're right. You're the expert, not me. But, you know, it was, um, and, and then I went and did this and I won't, I'm going to wriggle it around so no one's going to read all my, all my information. <laughs> but the, um, the, the orange at the start, that's, the, and I did it backwards for you because I have to go, I have to do my chronological line <laughs> properly, not, not, not like the other one. And it's, um, you know, all these yellow, orange ones were negative stuff. And then there's this beautiful blue patch here. And, and these are huge positive emotions, really, really bloody happy. here. And then back to this um, shitty stage. I'm going to stop saying shitty stage or I'm going to end up with diarrhea. But there's, um, you know, <laughs> this horrid stage here from 54 to, to 58. And and as we talked about, you know, in this last, uh, last point is that, 
you know, in the last four years, you know, I've I've moved house. We've had, um, you, you know, step, the stepkids, and they're they're not, they're good kids. Nothing wrong with the kids, but we've had, you know, difference of opinions about about how the house should be managed and how we should do things and how, what's the best, you know, all all about care and love. But you know, what's what's the best way to move forward um, so that the kids feel the best? And you know, disagreements on that. Plus, I've lost seven animals, and plus the bushfires were were were, you know, I've talk about this a lot the bushfires and the, the billion animals and everyone knows that I'm an animal nut and I really it broke me down but the more I've and I've talked about it a lot and I was really placing that emphasis on the fact that it, it was the animals that were troubling me but the more I think about it after doing this with you the more I think is that no it was just the straw that broke the camel's back or, or maybe not I'm not I'm not meaning to minimalize it but I think that I just couldn't carry something anymore. Do you, you know, and when there was that last freaking great big goddamn trigger, I, I just couldn't carry it anymore, you know. And so, so, so it broke me. And, and my thyroid, you know, I lost my singing. I lost, I'm like, God, it's just, I'm not going to say shit because I said that in my last podcast. It's, yeah, stacking on top of each other. And eventually it's like that, you know, that game is, See, I can't think Jenga. of anything. Yeah, Jenga. It's eight o'clock at night, buddy. I can't bloody think of anything. Today. <laughs> the um, you know, yeah. When you pull it out, you know, eventually it's just topples. And but this has just been is this has been phenomenal for me. And yeah, the other thing that we worked out. I mean, feel free to give your opinions once I've just said this little bit because you're going to have much much more to say than my uh, layman's kind of analogy of it. But. In, in all the um, the blue ones, which was aged 30 to 54, you know, and I was having, as Daniel said, a lot of people don't have big spikes in the positive emotions. You know, they just have little, little positive. Mm -hmm. And I've had some massive spikes in positive emotions in that time. But the biggest thing that I can see about that is that, um, that you know, I came out. So then I, I sort of had my voice. I could say whatever I want. I could be me. And I've got, you know, a whole lot of things I felt seen. I felt heard. I still do now. But because of COVID, I haven't, I, I've lost all that opportunity, you know, to do I was on stage, I was just going for it, you know, and everything was just fantastic, even though, and this is the interesting thing that I think most people will find interesting, that was when um, I lost my sister, Carolyn, to cancer. Um, her husband had a, a serious car accident, got brain in injuries, and there's a lot of other big things like that in there that I'm not going to talk about because people are still alive to hear it, you know, so I'm just going to leave it there, but um, it's... They were things that that I've talked about in my story that uh, were triggers for me changing my ways, you know, like going on a completely different journey. But clearly I had a lot of positive emotions going on and I was able to cope with it very, very well. Prior to that, and then, sorry, did I butt in? <laughs> no, I, I'm, I just loaded up on my phone and I'm just, I'm re. I'm reviewing what we spoke about, so I'm, I'm hanging out here with you. Oh, I thought you might be recording my voice again. No, don't do that again. <laughs> God, Christ knows. I'm very tired. We don't need that. Um, and, and and then prior to 30, you know, there's all these big orange orange spikes. And one thing, you know, working with Daniel on it, because, you know, after I got this report, Daniel and I did um, four sessions together on to try and unpack this. And what, what I've completely loved about this is that it, it – 
you know, we, we, you know we, we can remember things and we say, it, it only comes up in conversation. Oh, yeah, when I was one, I ended up in hospital. When I was three, I got a truck wrapped around my head. Oh, yeah, I remember seeing a car accident once where this whole family was killed. You know, you, it's only when you're in conversation that, you, that these things sort of pop up because someone's triggered something. But Daniel, Daniel's got a whip out and he forced me. He held pinned me down and forced me to um, write all of the things I could remember in all of these um, little brackets. And my Godfather, when I wrote them down, I was like, shit, how does one person, uh, like, uh, have all these emotional things happen and still, I still consider myself extraordinarily resilient, you know, but it's, these were sort of playing, they were sitting within me and then, you know, Daniel, you talk about gestalts in a minute, you know, but it makes sense and I didn't understand this before, Daniel, working with Daniel, but it's he'll talk about how they gather together and compound, and you don't even know this stuff's happening in your body. And there was um, so two things have come out of that is that there were so many car accidents for me, um, and I kind of I put them aside. But there was car, and I was never hurt in a car accident. Yeah, that's the funny thing. Except the truck wrapping around my head, and when I was three, and I still wasn't hurt. And it, but now what that's led to is me saying to people. Every time someone I care about gets in a car, drive carefully, don't trust anybody, you know, make sure, don't look at your phone, for Christ's sake, text me when you're there. And so it, it, it's what's happened is over time it's got me in this hypervigilant state every time somebody gets in the goddamn car. And so I'm it, unconsciously or subconsciously, I don't know which one, but thinking about them while I'm supposed to be doing other stuff. So I'm not living up to my potential. And the other thing that came up was um, this, this constant guilt, this feeling of guilt. It just, it, there was Eric and I can see right now looking at it, over a hundred incidents of guilt. And, and what's fantastic about this is that I've looked back and said, well, hang on, no, that wasn't my fault. I'm not, I'm not wearing that anymore. I was just not going to wear that. There were a couple of things that I did wrong and it, well, there's more than a couple, you know, like I, I, I like bullied people and, you know, when I was a kid because I wanted to remain uh, accepted by my peers as a kid, you know, stuff like that. And I wish, I, far out, I wish I didn't do it. But when I look, and I've carried guilt about that, you know, if, and then when I look back and I think, no, you know what, you shouldn't have done it, but you 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 didn't have the tools to say I'm going to stand on my own or I'm going to stand up for that person. And so I've been letting myself off the hook and not, not, I'm not, I'm not um, avoiding accountability. Do you know, I am going through the, the, yeah, you should have done better there, Karen. Yeah. You need to accept responsibility for that one. And I think I've talked enough, but this has been fascinating. And I reckon I'm, I reckon what's happening I don't know, uh, subconsciously, whatever the hell, magically, I'm going to say magically, you know it's not, but whatever it is, things are just pissing off. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm feeling lighter and and it's, Daniel, now you can say all the scientific special stuff because I've just said all that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what happens, in, and we can see, keep it really simple, let's say imagine all of these traumas, all of these car accidents, when they happen, we go through what's called a traumatic moment. And a traumatic moment is unexpected. 
It's dramatic, like a car accident. I remember this one you were talking about at age three. The trucks hit the car and the, the truck is wrapped around your head. <laughs> but you're alive. It's uh, it's isolating. You know, I remember there was times when you had to go to hospital, etc. And then there's no coping mechanisms. So out of necessity, we've got to move on with life. And everybody's resilient. And what we do is we take the event and we just put them over there and we say, I'm just going to put that event over there. Yeah. <laughs> and in the future, when I got time and some energy and I've got a resource, then I'll deal with it. But then life moves forward and what do we do? Oh, the relationship. Ah, oh, I'll put it over there. Death of a loved one. Ah, oh, I'm going to put it over there. End of a career. Oh, I'm going to put it over there. Breakup. Oh, I'm going to put it over there. <laughs> life. Ah, fuck off. And we put it over there. And we say, one day when I get around to it, I'm going to do something about it. But it builds up, it builds up, and it builds up, and it ends up being like a little bit of cavity in, yeah. in your teeth. You can feel the hole, but you're like, oh, I'm just going to wait a little bit longer <laughs> till I go to the dentist. Yeah. The root starts to hurt, and you're like, maybe I'll just have a cup of whiskeys, and that'll kill the pain for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, you got to go to the doctor, and you're like, ah, and you've got to do root canal yeah. <laughs> because you've left that stuff there for so long. So what's happening for you is uh, what we've learned with this science is that just by having awareness of these past events is enough to resolve the past event. That's it. So if you can just remember consciously what all that garbage was and you bring it back to the surface, the unconscious mind says, well, Karen, what do you need to learn from that? Oh, that's not my shit. That's not my guilt to carry. And then the unconscious mind says, well, thank you, conscious mind. We're done with that stuff. And just like that, it disappears. And what you feel is this energy. It's the energy in your body. It's now starting to flow. It's not restricted by all of these mental and emotional blocks. All of that's disappearing. So for all of those events that we went through, you now get conscious awareness of it because all of that's unconscious. We forget what we've put over there. But it comes up and you go, oh, accident. Loss of my animal. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, so I wasn't the one who made the decision about that. Okay, what can I learn from it? Oh, in the future, I'll do that differently. And then the mind says, thank you so much. We're done with that. So that's all we have to do. So awareness of these past events is enough to resolve them. And for you, we found so many. So the body just says, I'm done with that. 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 And then you get all of your energy back. Mm. And then your mental and emotional block, because where you didn't see opportunity because of guilt, you go, oh, I don't have to feel guilty about that. Now I can focus on that. Yep. I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to fear that anymore. I move on from it. And that's what happens. Although I think I'm only, I'm only dealing with the big chunky ones. I reckon once the big chunky ones are all out, there's going to be all these <laughs> all these little, little little like spider bites coming up going, what about that? What about that? I'm like, oh, fuck, didn't I get rid of all this shit? Here comes some more. But I think that's good because once it's kind of like, you know, that, that professor that's got the, the stones and the rocks in the jar and the sand and, you know, and all that sort of stuff, it's probably what's happening. I'm probably picking out all the big rocks and, and piffing them, but then I'm going to, Look at my jar and think, oh shit, now the pebbles. <laughs> and then at me, oh shit, now those little grains of sand. <laughs> and, and there's nothing, we all know, there's nothing worse than a grain of sand in your bloody sock. So, <laughs> so you know, I, I've got a French bulldog and she's got really short hairs. And sometimes those short hairs get in my sock. Yeah. And it's like, I can feel it's like a, it's like a thorn, but it's a bloody dog hair. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
all of us, what we've got to do is we've got to start to release some of them. And look, there's honestly, some people just say, look, I don't want to deal with that. Like, hey, I've got another 10, 20 years of life. I don't, I don't want to go there. Hey, more power to you. But a lot of people who deal with it, what happens is they accelerate. And I was dealing with a lady a couple of years ago. She said, Daniel, um, I've gone bankrupt. I've lost my business. My business partner betrayed me. I've lost my marriage. And now I'm 65 and I've got five years before I really need to retire. And I said, well, what are you going to do? She said, I've got to reinvent myself. So we took her on this journey of reinvention. And I remember 90 days after she started my program, she called me. She said, you wouldn't believe it. I've already doubled my income. Now, the difference was instead of focusing on the past and what she had no control over, she started to focus on the future and what she did have control over. So she started to get busy. By the time she came to event, our event, she started to get rid of the root cause. You know, a lot of people work on the surface structure, but we get right down to the root cause. And she started to get rid of the root cause. And she tripled her income at age 65. And then she retired financially independent by her 70th. Wow. So once you get great. rid of all of that, then you're free from the past. All of that stuff over there, um, I think the best example is trying to drive your car with your handbrake on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you yeah. drive around with your handbrake on, you've got your foot flat on the accelerator. It's revving, but it's going nowhere. And all of a sudden you go, oh, shit, and left the handbrake on. You take the handbrake off and the car goes, pooh, and takes off. It's the same thing. Yeah, well, you, you don't know. You, you think there's something wrong with the car until you actually pull up at a petrol station and smell it. Oh, shit, I'm in <laughs> the handbrake on the whole time. And, but, yeah, and, and that's exactly. You're talking about talking about cars, Karen. I, <laughs> I was saying to my students today, I said, I've got this mate, John, and John's a real bad driver. And whenever I hop in the car with John, I feel like um, – I'm going to die. I feel like he's going to have an accident because he's all over the shop. He's talking to me. He's talking on the phone. He's texting away. And I don't want to be in this car, but I really love the guy. And I think I want to buy him a uh, big red Ferrari. But then I think to myself, he's a bad driver. And what if I spend half a million dollars on a Ferrari and give him a Ferrari? Is the Ferrari going to change his driving? And I think, no, he's still going to be a shit driver, but with a really expensive car. <laughs> so a lot of us try to get into a new vehicle, and the vehicle might be a new relationship. But if we're still carrying around the mental and emotional baggage, <laughs> we get a new relationship, a new vehicle, and it's toxic again. We leave one career, but wherever we go, there we are. And then the next career is toxic. So we've got to learn to free ourselves from all of that junk so that once we get into that new vehicle, then we can take off, then we can accelerate. Mm. That's the key. I love it. I, I, I really love it. This is, it's been so eye-opening for me. And it's, it's it, to, be, to be honest, nothing, nothing is anything that I, I find surprising other than it's come up. Do you, you know, and I was gu oh, guilty. Talk about guilty. I was guilty and I'm not doing any more, but guilty of throwing it back in that corner, do you, you know, and that one day, one day, and and one day I'm going to get to that, one day I'm going to, you know what, the other thing too is, is I think that I only just realised right this second that one day I'll deal with that, one day that, but I, that has overflowed into something else that I've just realised right now is that I have papers of stuff, you know, printouts of this or that or, or a PDF or something. One day I'm going to get to that. And I've had stacks of freaking papers everywhere. <laughs> and, Nick, yeah, Nikki, my partner's always been like, are you ever going to do anything with that? Or one day, get one of my, I've had tubs of, tubs of, um, 
leads, you know, even freaking old telecom leads and shit, you know, and it's been out in the shed. What are these tubs of shit for? And I'm like, well, one day I might need that. And and what's been fantastic, <laughs> I've, I've, you've only just woken up to this right this second we're talking, is that over the last two weeks I've chucked all that shit out. You know, I've gone through it and said, ah, then I'll just get rid of this You're shit. You're done with it. I don't want You're this shit, it. you know, hanging around. And, and it's removed that whole one day thing. So I only just realised right now that that has been um, a, a spillover effect of, of everything that we've been doing. So how fantastic. That's called completion. See, humans have a compulsion to close. And what that means is you've got to finish what you've started. And, and anybody with kids knows that sometimes you go to the bathroom and you're doing a pee and the kids come in. And all of a sudden you've got to stop your pee halfway through. There's nothing more excruciating. But how good does it feel when you get to sit back down or stand back up and you finish off the pee and you go, oh. (laughs) (laughs) See, humans have a compulsion to close and you must finish what you've started. So for a lot of people who say, I'm just going to put it over there, I'm going to put it over there, I'm going to put it over there. How they do that is how they do the rest of their life. Mm. They store things and clutter things and it accumulates. And all of a sudden, you've accumulated all this junk mentally, emotionally. And then you come to an end, you go, you know what, I'm done with that. And you throw out the leads, I'm finished. I've done with that mental and emotional baggage. I'm actually free from the past. And so I say to my clients, the problem with mental and emotional baggage is you take it with you wherever you go. And where are you going? You're going into your future. So people are dragging their past into their future every single day. And that's the real cost of those mental and emotional baggage. They keep dragging it into the future. (laughs) It's supposed to stay back there. And you've got to be free from it. So you've got completion, you've got closure, and that's compulsion to close. And when you can be successfully closing that off, you know what happens? You start to close more business. You start to close more deals. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) It's funny when you say, you know, about completion. I'm one of those people that, (laughs) and I shouldn't say it because I'm just going to convince myself, I love starting projects. I'm not I don't really love finishing the bloody things. That's someone else's job. But you know, now I'm going to have to start. Now I'm going to have to start completing all my projects. But um, uh, I, I think this is it, it's it, it it's life changing. You know, it's it's freed me up so much. And while I can't say I'm, it's been a, a, a massive physical and mental. Um, you know, just it's not like a punch in the face and it's gone. It's not like it's not as dramatic and, and as um, as obvious as that. You know, it's been all these subtle little things. And 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 I think, I, you know, maybe I don't know. I think I'm doing well at it. You know, I think I am. And it's it. I start to. I'm starting to join dots. I'm starting to say, oh, Oh, like I just did then, you know, about the, the stuff. And I'm noticing that I'm doing that a lot more. I'm like, oh, oh, I know. And I'll be driving along with Otter. Okay, there was that time when I blah, blah, blah. <laughs> now, I am not having that anymore. And it's just that that's got to go. <laughs> Better decision. So that, that, cha- that challenges your limiting beliefs. And then you say, I'm done with that limiting belief. Now you replace it with an empowering belief. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> Straight to the front of the class. Teacher's pet. 
<laughs> I like being at the front of the class, being, being the, you know, the entertainer, actually. <laughs> I wasn't, I was never a teacher's pet at school, I can tell you. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, well, there's another thing, wasn't there? I was the teacher's pet and then she had a car accident and then we got another teacher and then, and, and that's, that's such an interesting thing that, yeah, some people might not know. I do, I do share a lot on this podcast about myself, but not 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 everything. But in grade two, you know, she had a car accident. Where I got replaced with another teacher, and prior to that, I was the I was the class goody goody, you know, and teaching everyone else to read and everything. And once this new teacher came, I was like, "Fuck school," and and that was it. And it, and it shut me down completely luckily I was intelligent enough you know to get my way through school and manage it but um there was no intrinsic motivation whatsoever and I was completely I was disengaged and that was my report Karen should same as yours Karen should stop (laughs) talking Karen should stop distracting others (laughs) see how the, the mind works very interestingly I go to school I got a great relationship with the teacher Teachers involved in a car accident, I lose the teacher, and now school equals loss. School equals loss. So in the future, it's like, why would I want to connect with the teacher? Because the last time I connect with the teacher, there was loss. And so all of a sudden, we make these limiting decisions and these limiting beliefs. We say, I'm just going to disengage because I don't want to go through that again. And then for yours, how many how many car accidents were you involved in and how many in total around you? How many did we count up? Oh, I don't remember. There was, oh, I remember seven, but then I think think we started at seven and then it went up from there. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, maybe 15. It's like all of that pain. It's like, okay, well, anything to do with car accidents, I want to put over in that little pile. Yeah. (laughs) But it started with my teacher. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, well, I started with the truck. Actually. Yeah, it started with the truck. <laughs> Daniel, talk about um just quickly about the gestalt, you know, and how how all those things join, join all those um you know they look for each other and join up, and you say it. So gestalt is a chain of memories. Yeah. And let's say fear, for example, all the fear that you experience from an early age, then chains together. So what we know now is that the child in the womb, it will experience the fear that the mother goes through. And through hypnosis, and people can watch this on my YouTube channel, is I do interventions and people remember the fear that their mother was going through. But sometimes the child, with its lack of consciousness at that stage, or the embryo with its lack of consciousness, feels that they're responsible for the fear. So they carry the fear. Mm. And so we always have a first event. And then what we have is we have a second, a third, a fourth. We have significant events and they all chain together. So I think the best explanation and the easiest one is think about you're driving your car and I know (laughs) cars are sensitive for you already (laughs) but let's imagine you're driving your car you're driving down the freeway and then all of a sudden you go oh shit I've missed my turn off and you try to creep in front of a car it's so innocent but the person behind you fucking and just starts to road rage you think to yourself I'm really sorry. I just thought I was going to miss the turn off, and all I just if I can just creep in here, everything will be okay. But they're on the horn, stringing out. We're fucking going to kill you. And you think, how is that possible? I just pulled in front of them, but that's the gestalt. So at that moment, that person's not just experiencing the anger and frustration of Karen pulling in; it's the anger and frustration that they've experienced for their whole life 
that's left unresolved. So it just boils up to the surface and they explode. Mm. And some people can just repress that anger and then just one little things like that, it's the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm. They just explode and they have an emotional hijack. Mm. They bypass logical thought and they just start to act before they think. And that's when people make terrible decisions. <laughs> and we all know that road rage incident. Yeah. But, you know, it happens with other other little things. It's like sometimes if you've if you've got a lot of fear, sometimes you hear a little uh, crack in the house at nighttime. All of a sudden, oh, home invaders, yeah. <laughs> quick, get the gun, <laughs> get the knife, run. <laughs> you know, it triggers you. So that's the gestalt. And the aim of what um, I do is just to help people clear out all of those emotions from the past. So it doesn't matter what age they're at, 40, 50, they get an emotional clean slate and they can start again. And what happens is if they experience an episode of fear, it's not heightened like it was. Yeah. If somebody pulls in front of them, they wave the window and say, oh, thank you. Come on, pull in front, no drama. <laughs> and they don't lose time because for every negative emotion we experience like anger or sadness or fear or guilt, it impacts our performance for four hours. Wow. So imagine if you've carried all this guilt and you get it triggered off and you get guilt triggered off twice in a day, you're going to lose eight hours of time. It impacts your performance for eight hours. But I know people who've lost 10 or 20 years because of guilt. It gets triggered off every day and they're still stuck. They can't move forward. Mm. So the goal is awareness and then to move forward. That's the key. Wow. It, it, you make it sound really simple, and it it actually is. But this is this this is the stuff where we're never taught. Do you, you know, we're, we're not taught this at school. And you know, I think about back in the you know the days of the pyramids. We, we all have our own beliefs about how the pyramids were built and how it used to look in Babylon. You know, the gardens of Babylon. God knows what and how they used to use energy. And you know, I've got my own theories about all the energy that they used to use back then. But you know, I always think back then. In, in my mind of what I believe is, is that that stuff was taught. You know, people were clearing mm. that sort of stuff and they were understanding it. was in the mystery it. schools. Hey? They taught it in the mystery schools. It's like people go, have you read the book The Secret? Law of Attraction. <laughs> <laughs> they were talking about this 5,000 years ago. It's called The Law of Sympathetic Resonance. Yeah. Oh, really? The book was only written. Yeah. <laughs> We're rediscovering all of this. Yeah. And, and it's and it's so true, you know, because we've, we've well, you know, forget the whole school thing, but it's kind of like, you know, the industrial era. And that's only recent, you know, let's all, let's all compete and let's get in a line and bloody do this stuff. And I just think that we've, we've completely lost ourselves as humans. You know, like I think that humans have got massive potential. I've always known that. I've always believed it. I haven't really understood. And I don't still don't think I'm, I'm have a great understanding but I think I understand a lot more since working with you but it's um what we're what we're doing in our everyday lives is not not being a human being you know we're just not we're just we're, we're human doings you know and human doing what other people says and human havings sort of, yeah yeah <laughs> well, we're not we're not being who who we um well, I just well, we don't even know. We don't even know who we are, and nah. that's the, that's the problem. People don't know who they are. They go, "I'm a doctor." <laughs> that's a title on a business card. I'm a lawyer. <laughs> I'm a mum. Yes, that might be a role that you play, but you're so much more than that. And so we've got to understand who we are and why we think and feel the way that we do. But it's also scary. It is so scary to wake up and look at yourself in the mirror and say, "Well." This is who I really am. Mm. 
And that's scary. And I believe that's why a lot of people say, you know what, I'm just going to leave it and I'm not going to deal with it. Mm. But it's also freeing. I worked with a guy down in Melbourne and um, he was earning $600,000 a year and, and he's doing great. And he said, I don't even know who I am. And I showed him who he was and he went, wow, I'm really not a very nice person. Now, that wasn't my words. That's what he said. And I said, well, what makes you think that way? And he goes, well, this is my behavioral silent means I'm not a bad person. I said, no, that's the person that's got you to $600,000 a year. And he went, oh, I thought that was all bad. And I went, no, that's the goodness in you. You just got to learn how to use it. Mm-hmm. So he started to grow and grow and grow. And now he's about to start his own business. Imagine that. He thought all of his strengths were actually a weakness. So he couldn't perform at his best. And we know statistically that um, even people like Einstein was using as little as 10% of their potential. For us, average people, we average person only uses 2% of their potential. That's it. Mm. We only use 2%. It's like having a uh, red Ferrari (laughs) and it can go 100 kilometers an hour, but it's only doing two kilometers an hour. Yeah. We've got so much potential. It's like, you know, sometimes I, I had these jeans on the other day and I put them on. I went, what's that in my pocket? And I put my hands in my pocket and I found a hundred bucks and I went, oh, Eureka, I've got a hundred bucks. <laughs> so when you learn these things about yourself, you have these Eureka moments. You're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that about myself. Now yeah. I'm rich. Yeah. <laughs> now I can go spend the money. <laughs> yeah, you can buy, buy yourself some underpants, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, I should. But, you know, the problem is when I put uh, money into my wallet, my wife comes and says to me, it's a setup. She says, have you got any money? I said, I don't know. She goes, look in your wallet. And I look in my wallet and go, yeah, I've got a couple of thousand in here. And she goes, well, that's mine. I said, you just asked me if I've got money. Now you claim. She goes, yes, what's it doing in there? That's not your money. <laughs> but I'm a good Taiwanese husband. <laughs> so I just. Yes, I wish I carried it. A couple of thousand around. I, I bought something today and then this person said, oh, we don't take um, card for under $5. I'm like, oh, shit. I looked at my wallet and there's 20 bucks. I'm like, yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> it's all right. That's good. Oh, Daniel, four times as much. <laughs> look, I have absolutely loved this. It's been fantastic. And you just, you, you know, you're doing some amazing stuff. And I don't think you're going to crash again. You know, I think you've you've done all the stuff we've talked about and you've, you've found this beautiful beautiful sort of you know path forward and you're just you're just really exploding into the world but and but more so than being rich and helping people get rich and all that kind of stuff you're actually freeing people and to me for someone who's not that focused on you know am I a millionaire and I want people to be happy so much that they then make the money because they're happy do you you know that that to me that's you know what you know what I want you know what I want Karen what do you want I want people to unleash new income levels and do you know why why the more money they make the more animals they can save oh you're so bloody right daniel (laughs) (laughs) i want to make money don't you worry about that that's that's what i say to my that's what i say to people i go for most people that i work with the money is not the end goal it's what they can do with it and i worked with a gentleman not long ago and i said um how much do you make he told me how many millions and he said it's not enough and I said, it's not enough. And he said, on this amount of money, I've only been able to feed 2 million homeless people. Oh, wow. And I said, well, what do we do? He goes, we're going to make more money so we can feed more homeless people. 
And I, and I got it when I looked at that and I went, that's exactly what I'm helping people to do. So it's like people like yourself. I want people to have these breakthroughs. I want them to see more value in themselves. I want the world to see more value in them so that you can unleash that new income level. And we know there's a billion uh, animals that got impacted by these fires. And I know if you can make more money, you can save more animals. That's my true intention of money. That's what I want for my yep. people. All right, then. I'm reassigning my thoughts. I like that. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I do. Yeah, I do want more money because I do want to save more animals and it frustrates me when I can't. So now if somebody else wants to um, go through the same experience as me and make you, you let you torture them into writing a timeline with all their triggers, <laughs> ah, which is incredibly freeing and incredible. It's hard work. It's, you know, that's, it is tough, but by gee, it's um, uh, the rewards at the end are, are fantastic. And I don't think I'm at the end, you know, this is just, this is just a, a journey that just I'm passing through and yeah. And, and we'll, we'll get there, but how can people find you? Because this is, I want others to be able to do this because I think it's, it's um, opened my eyes to bloody hell, a shopping trolley for shit that I didn't know how. <laughs> Drop you an email. Yeah. 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 Write me an email. Daniel at danieltolson.com and put in the subject line, get off the bench. So I know where you're coming from. <laughs> and then say, Daniel, I want to learn about mind explorer so if you write to me daniel at danieltolson.com com uh, subject line get off the bench hello daniel i want to learn about mind explorer then i'll direct you in the right place fantastic oh, i love that and i'm going to put all your links in the show notes anyway but i, I do hope people do that because you you uh I, can, I don't know. I don't even. I can just be sort of tokenistic and just say all the general words. Daniel, you've changed my life. You know that sort of stuff. But it's that doesn't actually. It th those words don't truly um, spell out. You know. You know what? The, can I give the, you? The, can I give you a phrase that I like? Yes. You're going to be my next story of success. Yes. I am. That's am what I? I want for you. <laughs> Absolutely. I can. Well, if one day you can tell the audience what you told me off air. We won't let that cut out of the bag, but that's a story of success. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I love to hear. Yeah. yeah. So well done. It's already happening. It's already happening. I know it is. So I want other people to be able to experience this because um, I, I know a lot of people who telling me all the time, oh, I just I'm, I'm don't have confidence, I can't do it. And, you know, and I, I be the big cheerleader for them. But deep down, you know, I think to myself, oh, fuck. You know, sometimes I go through that too, you know, and I feel that too. So um, there are so many people. So I, I oh, thank you, Daniel. That's all I can say is thank you for being an incredible human being. And thank thank you for persisting outside of that bloody schoolyard and, <laughs> and <laughs> becoming amazing. I was riding my bike the other day and um, I just took the trainer, training wheels off my children's bikes. And um, my after my kids started riding, I hopped up on the bike and I said to my daughter, you want to see what dad can do? And so I hopped up on there and I started to bike surf. And I put my foot on the front of the frame, my foot on the back of the frame, and I started to bike surf. And then I went straight over the handlebars. <laughs> my feet are going a million miles in the air and I dropped and rolled across the ground. And my daughter's still filming. It's on my Facebook, this video. Yeah, I saw it. I and then she's like... <laughs> Yeah. She's like, you okay, Dad? And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. 
And I got back up and I went bike surfing again. And somebody asked me, they said, why did you do that? Why did you keep going? I said, you just never know who's watching. Yeah. And, you know, it's like my children. They don't listen to what you say. They watch what you do. And my daughter was watching. I thought to myself, if I don't get back up, then I'm going to teach her that it's okay to not get back up. So I got back up, <laughs> dusted myself off, got my pride back, my confidence back on the bike. And so I, I can't quit because if I if I quit, Karen, then that's what I'm teaching my followers and <laughs> that's not the legacy I want. No. How do you remember Daniel? Oh, he's a fucking quitter. <laughs> no. <laughs> He went through some shit and he never quit. And if he went through that and Karen went through that, then uh, then we can do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be a quitter either. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I want Imagine something that better. in the afterlife. <laughs> I remember you. You you you're the guy in Taiwan and you, oh, you're the fucking quitter, hey? Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. How many lifetimes I've got to carry that for? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh well, Daniel, I've bloody loved this. This has been fantastic. I know it's nine o'clock at night for me, and I should be bloody I, I am half asleep, but I but thank God it was an interesting conversation. But you just <laughs> you're just a bloody gem. You really are. I'm so glad we connected and you know. I, I just love this so much. So thank you so very much for um, blessing us with this hour. It's been wonderful. Anytime. My pleasure. Thank you for having me here. My absolute pleasure. Oh, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. That was freaking fantastic. And Daniel's got a much better way of saying all the scientific stuff than I have. I'm I'm a bit layman's terms, but I, I hope you understood it all anyway. And it's it's really has been um, an incredible journey for me, you know, unlocking all this stuff. And like I said, you know, I think I'm doing really well, but uh, I certainly don't think I'm finished. And I think it's a process that we just have to push ourselves through. And Daniel's right, it is uncomfortable. Yeah, a little bit, you know, and I don't think we can avoid that. I think I, I always say about getting off the bench, you know, you have to push your way through the blackberry bushes to be able to get to the beautiful pasture on the other side. So it's kind of the same thing. But gee whiz, well worth it. And so much is shifting for me um, because of it. So I don't know. I've been doing a lot of work on myself in the last two years. And it's, I think it's, hasn't, I'm not going to say that, oh, yeah, I'm so courageous that I've done it. I think it, it just, it became necessity. It got to a point where I just uh, had burnt myself out because I hadn't dealt with it. So, um, if you're feeling like that, you know, this might just be the thing for you. So as Daniel said, send him an email at daniel at danieltolson.com. Put in the subject line, get off the bench and hi, Daniel, I'd like to learn more about Mind Explorer. So I hope you do that. I'll put the other links in the bottom and I really hope if you do it, you get something out of it. I'm sure you will because it's it's phenomenal stuff. So anyway, that's it for me. Um, thank you for joining me again this week and I will see you next week. See ya. Thanks for joining me. As always, I hope this episode inspired you. If you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people, let me know about it. Go to my website, karenvaughan.com, tinker around there, have a bit of a look and send me a message. I can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode, just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.